Thank you. Uh, welcome, friends. It is uh, wonderful to be with you today. Um, I'd like to uh, begin with the, with the PLAN, okay, the plan uh, for this message. So first off, I'm going to start with a little story. Uh, then I'm going to talk about holiness big picture. Don't worry, I've made it concise, okay? Then I'm going to read the scripture passage for this morning and uh, make some comments about holiness in the story in the Bible, and then conclude with uh, some remarks about holiness and our lives. At the very end of the message, I have a little application piece where I'm going to invite you to get out a paper uh, and a pen. So uh, if you don't have a paper or pen, uh, there are some on the back table there, so feel free even now if you want to go grab that. Um, If you're watching at home right now, Fine, go get a paper and pen. Every person that can write, even if you can't write, you could color, I suppose. So I invite you, if you're watching this after the fact, just press pause. Go get a paper and pen. Sound good? All right. So uh, let's begin with a little story. Uh, This past July, uh, a world-renowned theologian passed away, or more accurately, passed into glory. His name was J.I. Packer. Perhaps you have heard of him. Uh, He was an intellectual giant. He was a popular author and speaker. And in addition to that, despite his fame, he was a very humble man who earnestly wanted to follow Jesus and live a godly life. Well, after he passed away, Um, I just started reading articles, what people wrote in memory of him. And then I just wanted to learn more about his life. I reread part of a book that he authored that I had read years ago. And in my looking for things about him, I came across a video. And what was interesting about this video, it was uh, filmed six years ago, which means he would have been 87 uh, he pa- I forgot to say, he passed away when he was 93, one week from his 94th birthday. So I saw this video. He was 87 years old. He was speaking at a seminary, and the leaders of the seminary were so honored that he was there, they just said, you pick the topic. Whatever you choose is fine for us. Now, what would this intellectual giant embedded in the scripture, godly man, what would he choose? He chose something that he thought was of greatest need for the church today and for Christians individually as well. And his talk simply was personal holiness. I watched the talk three times. This is kind of weird. It was 45 minutes, an 87-year-old guy. I watched it three times. And something within me just... There was a hunger within me that stirred for holiness. Maybe you noticed the title of this message is not just holiness. It is hunger for holiness. And, And it is my prayer, it has been my prayer, that by the end of this message today, even in just a little way, God's Spirit might work in your life, giving you a greater hunger for holiness. 
Now, holiness is more than righteousness. Righteousness is the standard of being right. Holiness is absolute moral purity, and the word gives the idea of separation. Separation in terms of contrast and distance. Absolute moral purity in terms, and and the idea is, is separation. So with that introduction, I want to just take a brief moment and think about holiness from a uh, kind of a global biblical perspective. Uh, You know, you could look at the whole Bible story in terms of holiness. One way to summarize the plot of of the Bible, creation, fall into sin, and salvation. A holy God creates a good creation, and he creates people in his image. A holy God creates holy people, and we have perfect communion with God. What is sin? Sin is rebellion against God and His holiness. Sin came into humanity and caused a division in that perfect communion, a division in the relationship. Fortunately, our holy God is a saving God. And so the rest of the Bible story is what? It is an unfolding of God's saving plan. This saving plan stretches throughout the Bible. And what does God ultimately want to do? He wants to save people so that they become holy again, so they can have relationship again. Think about uh, the sacrifices of the Old Testament. Why did they do sacrifices? Let me say this first. Why did the, why did the people that worshipped God, the gods... Why did they do sacrifices? Did they, they, they did sacrifices too. So the people that worshipped the gods, they offered sacrifices to appease the gods, to, essentially to make the gods act nice towards them. We're giving you a sacrifice, you better do what we want you to do. Well, the book of Leviticus and the sacrificial system that we read that's from God, it's not just us saying, God, do what we want to do. This actually is a gift from God. It is God's grace. And where is grace involved? Almighty, holy God says this, I will accept a substitute sacrifice to pay the price of your sin to make you holy again. That's what the sacrifices in in Leviticus were. It was to make people holy through a substitute sacrifice. Now, obviously, the the, the blood of bulls and lambs and goats cannot fully satisfy our sin. And so, this points forward to the Holy One of God, the perfect Lamb of God, the eternal Jesus Christ, who in His death and resurrection expressed a love that is unfathomable, that the world has never seen or experienced, Jesus becomes the sacrifice, the substitute payment for our sin. And why? So that we can be holy. So that we can have a restored relationship with God. The Bible story from start to finish can be framed in terms of this idea of holiness. Now let's uh, take a little a moment to look at the Bible's call to holiness. In the Old Testament, there's lots of little salvations that go on that point to Jesus. One of the most famous 
saving stories in the Old Testament is Moses and the Exodus when the children were called out of slavery from Egypt and they were freed, they were saved. What does the Bible say about their salvation from Egypt? Leviticus 11.45 I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Okay, saved you from Egypt. Now what is the consequence for their lives? Therefore, be holy because I am holy. In response to the salvation, be holy. What about the New Testament? What is the purpose of our salvation? God's love poured out for us through Jesus is to lead us to holiness. I've just picked one verse, Colossians 1.22. But now He has reconciled you, restored relationship, Uh, He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death, His death on the cross, to present you holy in His sight. The purpose of salvation, to make us holy. Now, the New Testament teaching on holiness, and to simplify things, I've just picked two verses. New Testament teaching on holiness. 1 Peter 1-2 Uh, People of God, you have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. The Spirit making you holy. Sanctification, increasing holiness. The sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ sprinkled by His blood. And then later uh, in Peter, just as He has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. I mention these verses because what I'm about to say right now is really important. I'm going to make three little, little mini points here about holiness. And if, you, and if you get this wrong, you misunderstand holiness. And people get it wrong all the time. And what is the problem if you get this wrong? Then holiness becomes a burden and it becomes something you really don't want to do, and, but you grit your teeth and you're like, I guess I have to do this type of thing. And that is not the biblical view of holiness at all. So here are just three summary points uh, on teaching of holiness. Holiness is based on the gospel of Jesus. Holiness is based on the gospel of Jesus. Why is this important? In response to God's grace and love, we overflow with gratitude for a restored relationship. If holiness is based on the gospel of Jesus, our response is thankfulness. That means that we should want to live a holy life, not accusatory finger, live a holy life. No, it's we want to because we are thankful. All of you can think of situations in your life where you were so overwhelmed with thankfulness, you just wanted to do something for the other person, right? How much more in responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ to want to live holy? Secondly, holiness is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why is this important? Because the impossible becomes possible. We are not on our own with this. Remember, I could not do the handstand on my own. Why is this important with holiness? Because if you get it that you're empowered to do it, then that takes away pride, guilt, and shame. And so, 
Not only do we want to be holy, we're empowered to be holy. And then last, holiness is a part of who you are as a child of God. You are a new person. Holiness is not just something you do to be good. No. Holiness is a part of the new creation. You are a new person in Jesus Christ. And so it becomes, holiness is it's just a part of who you are, ideally, increasingly, all the time. Holiness is not a burdensome list of do's and don'ts. That's not what it is. It is something that leads you to a hopeful and flourishing life. In fact, if you get holiness, then you understand there is joy in holiness. So that was just a quick overview. Holiness frames the Bible story, creation, fall, salvation. We see the purpose in our salvation is to lead us to holiness and we see that it is so important to understand the biblical perspective of holiness because if we do, we will want to be holy, we'll be empowered to be holy, and we will see joy in holiness. Now that was kind of a a, a quick teaching. Now the next part of the message, I want us to imagine and think and listen to story. So now we're going to look at a story in the Bible where holiness is central. The scripture reading is from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Hear God's word. And the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away. And your sin is atoned for. The word of the Lord. The setting of this story is in the kingdom of Judah. So you have King David and King Solomon. It was one kingdom. But because of unfaithfulness to God, the kingdom split in two. Israel, northern kingdom, and Judah, southern kingdom. The line of David was Here, Judah, southern kingdom. King Uzziah started out as a godly king. And probably for most of his reign he was. But during the end of his reign, his heart grew proud. And one day, he went into the temple and disrespected God's holiness. 
He thought, since I'm powerful, I'll do what I want to do. And in the temple, he took over a priestly role by offering incense at the altar. And by disrespecting God's holiness, at that moment, he was inflicted with leprosy for the rest of his life. This is King Uzziah. Now, this vision is given to Isaiah. And Isaiah was a prophet that did have some interaction with the kings. He was not a prophet that was just way out in the wilderness, but uh, from what we read, he was in the city of Jerusalem, and he did interact with kings. So that meant Isaiah had some interaction with the most powerful people in the land. He had, let's say, interaction with the glory of an earthly king. And the glory of the palace of the king and the throne room of the king. But now King Uzziah has died. His son is now going to become king. And Isaiah has this vision, not of the throne room of the king of Judah, but the throne room of Almighty God. And it says here that in this throne, God is high and lifted up. God is exalted and above all creation. He is sovereign and supreme. It says the the train of his robe filled the temple. So his kingly robes did not just fill the heavenly throne room. It's like it came down to earth and in the temple and the holy of holies was in a sense... God's throne room on earth. So this sovereign, supreme, high and lifted God is also present with his people. Then there were seraphim. These are angelic beings. Their name literally means fiery ones or holy ones. The wings give this idea of power. Now, sometimes, I don't ask all the time, but if I were to ask somebody, hey, what's your favorite superhero? You're like, oh, I got, this is my favorite superhero, my favorite superhero. Okay, friends, any superhero in the presence of these seraphim, they would be weak, weak, weak. These are mighty, powerful, angelic beings with six wings. And what are they doing They're covering themselves with their wings. Why? Because these powerful beings are humbled in the presence of Almighty God who is high and lifted up. This is the scene that Isaiah finds himself in. And now what is said? He hears these words. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The word host, the Lord of the armies, the Lord over all. Sometimes it's translated the Lord Almighty. Holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Holy repeated three times, meaning the most absolute holiness. Uh, I find myself around a lot of hand sanitizer these days. Now if you read the label, what does it say? It it, it, it kills 99.9% of the germs. Okay, guess what? Unholy. I mean, still use hand sanitizer. It's good. I'm not saying that. But no, 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 no. God's holiness is not 99.999%. It is 100%. Holy is not enough. Holy, holy, holy. Absolute, absolute moral purity. 
But then the whole earth is full of His glory. This holy God loves His creation and comes to save His creation in a glorious way. If that were not enough for Isaiah, the poor guy, the whole, the whole scene starts to shake and fill with smoke. Reminiscent of Mount Sinai when Moses got the Ten Commandments. What happened on Mount Sinai? The mountain was shaking, smoke came down, and the people were warned, do not go near the mountain. If you do, you're approaching a holy God, you will die. Mount Sinai. And now here... Isaiah finds himself, it is shaking, he sees the seraphim, the smoke, even my little shaking right now is not doing it justice. And he just hits the deck, woe is me. Now think about this, Isaiah was probably a pretty good guy. He was probably more righteous than the average Jew of the time, correct? He's a good guy. But in the presence of holy, 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 he is undone by his sinfulness. He thinks he is going to die any minute now in the scene. Woe is me. And then what happens? One of these fiery ones, seraphim, goes to the altar. What happens at the altar? At the altar, an animal is sacrificed as a substitute payment for sin, takes the coal from the altar, the place of of salvation, takes that coal and touches Isaiah's lips with it and says, your guilt is gone. Your sin is atoned for. I didn't read it, but what was Isaiah's response after this? Lord, here I am. Do whatever you want. I'll do whatever you want to do. It's fine, take me and use me. I I am yours. After he experienced the holiness of God and God's overwhelming grace, both at the same time. So friends, this is a story that I would encourage you to read over again this week, to consider it and imagine the scene and imagine that the God of Isaiah is your God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. What right do you and I have to be in the presence of that God? We have none. And yet God blesses us with His grace. So now I'd like to just take a a moment to think about holiness in your life. Think about our world in which we live. I was thinking about how, how would I describe our world right now? And uh, the word I came up with is just simple, is sick. We are sick physically with the pandemic. We are sick as a society with divisiveness and polarization and great angst of people against one another. We are sick spiritually as people search for all sorts of spiritual answers here and there according to what they want and what fits their style, we are sick. What does God want us to learn through all of this? What is God's will for your life? 
Well, one of the answers for God's will for your life is God wants to use the situation we're in to purify his church. In what ways is Jesus not our first love? In what ways are we allowing worldly influences to affect our lives? And how does God, how does God purify his church? He purifies his people. He has a people that have a greater hunger for holiness. As I mentioned before, too often people have a negative view of holiness. Holiness can seem as not fun. I can't do what I want to do. Holiness is just a list of, to do, of, of do's and don'ts. And actually, do the individual decisions of your life matter? Yes. What you do and don't do, does that matter? Yes. But on purpose, in the sermon, I'm not going to talk about that right now. That's for you to think and pray about because I want to take a step back and emphasize what's more important than the to-dos and, to -do, uh, the, the do's and don'ts, which have their place, amen, I have them for my life, but more importantly than that is a biblical view of holiness. And if you get the biblical view of holiness, then you understand that God is not offering you boring or something you don't like. Actually, God is offering you a life of contentment, gratitude, hopefulness, and joy. That's what comes from seeking personal holiness in our lives. So to end the message today, I want us to take a moment and reflect together on these words, and I invite you to join me in doing that. So what I'd like to do is, uh, if you have a pen or a paper there, uh, get that out right now, and uh, on the screen, uh, let's put the words that um, Isaiah heard from Isaiah 6.3. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. So I would like you to write down on the piece of paper these words. You don't have to write down and call to one another and said. Just, I invite you to write down, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. If you're at home... I encourage you to write these words down right now. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This gives us a, a correct perspective on who God is. And Actually, could you come on up and just play a little guitar? Because what I would like right now is to just have a, a personal prayer time. And uh, I would like you to, to write down just maybe one sentence, two sentences, three-sentence prayer 
that as you read these words that express God's character, uh, what is the resulting prayer in your life? And as, as you write it down, that's just forcing you to, to think about it a little more deeply. So uh, just spend a moment and write down, just for yourself, a prayer in response to these words. holiness wasn't based in the gospel and spirit empowered, I would have never preached this message. It would have been too pressure filled. But thank God for his grace. Uh, For the closing prayer, uh, I don't want this to be my prayer. I want this to be our prayer. And through this prayer, it all comes down to this. Through this prayer, I pray that God's Spirit might work in your life and give you a greater hunger for personal holiness. To God be the glory. So I'm going to invite you to stand. And I'm just going to say a simple prayer. And I invite you to repeat this prayer after me. So it's, it's our prayer. Okay? And uh, at home, don't be shy. Just repeat this prayer after me. Alright? Uh, let's pray together. And repeat, Creator God, we are thankful for the amazing grace in Jesus, for a restored relationship with you. Please give us a greater hunger for holiness. Empower us, Holy Spirit. Help us to follow Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen and amen. Let's respond in song. All right, let this song be a contemplative prayer.